Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, show number 83. We're going to continue to focus on the e commerce space. I don't think e commerce is going anywhere. Uh, if anything, COVID has just accelerated it. So I think there's a huge opportunity for us here. Welcome to a real-world MBA from the School of Hard Knocks, where entrepreneurs reveal what it really takes to make it. Whether you're already in business or you're on your way there, this show is for you. This is Bigger Pockets Business. How's it going, everybody? I am Jay Scott. I am your co-host for the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast, and I am here again this week with Mrs. Carol Scott. How's it going today, Carol Scott? Having so crazy much fun shopping, shopping, shopping. So as you know, I don't buy a whole lot of stuff, but there is exactly one week every year when I buy essentially everything our family could possibly need and then some. And that is this week between all the Black Friday deals, the Cyber Monday deals, everything happening online. I am buying it all. And thank goodness for all these amazing deals. And thank goodness for online shopping. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. And speaking of online shopping, we've got the just the right episode for everybody this week. Our guest, his name is Mike Begg, and he is a founder of AMZ Advisors. And their company basically helps people that are interested in growing, scaling, building an Amazon sales company. So they have dozens of clients who sell anywhere from $1 million to $10 million a year on Amazon. They manage over $10 million a year in ads and advertising on Amazon, and they manage over $100 million in product sales on Amazon. So Mike and his company know everything there is to know about selling on Amazon, and they are here this week to help teach us everything we know to be successful selling on Amazon. So for anybody out there who has ever thought about starting an Amazon store, or maybe you have one and you're looking to improve it or grow it or scale it, 
this is the episode for you. In this episode, we talk about evaluating products and deciding what products you should put in your Amazon store. We talk about getting inventory. Do you actually want to physically buy inventory? Do you want to have it drop shipped? Uh, do you want to go and buy stuff on clearance from Target and Walmart? Or do you want to get stuff manufactured in China? We talk about all the different options there. Then we talk about getting your product noticed in the store. So how do you actually get customers to want to buy your product and how do they find your product? And then we talk about building reviews and building credibility for your store. Basically, everything you need to know from day one, deciding on the product to getting sales and, and getting credibility and, and building reviews for your Amazon store. And then we talk to Mike a little bit about his business, AMZ Advisors, and how he's basically grown his business. And he's now working in Guadalajara, Mexico. So basically runs his business remotely. And we talk to him about how he has been able to do that. For anybody that's interested in Amazon Store, make sure you listen to the very end because in the four more, Mike gives us some amazing resources in addition to his blog and, and his company. He gives us some amazing resources for where we can be learning more about building, growing, and scaling your Amazon Store. Okay. Now, if you want more information about anything we discuss in this episode, make sure you check out our show notes at biggerpockets.com slash biz show 83. That's biggerpockets.com slash biz show 83. Now, without any further ado, let's welcome Mike Begg to the show. Mike, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. We are so looking forward to talking with you. You have been an expert in this space for such a long time. You've helped so many other business owners realize their dreams. And so we cannot wait to dig in and hear what you have to tell us today. So thanks for being here. Thank you so much for the introduction, Carol. I really appreciate it. And I'm really happy to be here on the Bigger Pockets podcast and explain more of my experience, knowledge, and how I help other businesses. Well, we really appreciate you being here, Mike. So we're going to get into a, a bunch of things today. We're going to talk about your business and how you're managing your business. You're actually in Guadalajara, Mexico. Is that correct? I am. Been here oh, for three years. Awesome. So we will talk about running a business remotely. And we're also going to talk about something that I know all of our listeners are very interested in, and that's basically Amazon businesses selling on Amazon and talk about like just all the basics around getting started selling on Amazon. But before we do that, I'd love to dig into your backstory. Can you tell us basically where you came from and how you got to the point where you are running a company that advises Amazon sellers? Of course, I would love to share that story with you. So originally I am from Connecticut. I grew up there, went to college in Philadelphia, moved back to Connecticut after college, and then kind of started in the corporate space started working in consulting at Deloitte. Then from there, I moved into real estate development with Sears. And while I was at Sears, you know, I realized that I really enjoyed the real estate development a lot more than I did the consulting. But at the same time, I wasn't completely happy because I didn't really have my own business. And I wasn't really making my own decisions and I was still answering to someone else. So out of that came the idea of trying to start a business. And myself, my two co-founders, we started looking at different ways to make money. The first one was actually publishing Kindle eBooks on Amazon to make money. So we still make royalties from those. And then from there, we started learning more about the Amazon platform and saw an opportunity to import products from Asia to sell them online. Well, actually before that, we started buying products out on clearance in Walmart and Target and selling those. And then once we raised enough money that way, we started importing the products from Asia. So we built two different brands, started selling those on the platform ourselves. Uh, one brand was wildly successful. One brand didn't do so well. You know, it's just part of the learning curve. 
And then from there, we realized that, you know, we don't have any experience in the retail side. This is just something we learned from listening to podcasts, from taking courses. And we looked at all these other major brands that were on the Amazon platform and were just being beaten by people like us. And we were like, wow, we could help a lot of these brands sell more on the platform. That's kind of where the idea for the agency came from. And, you know, from there, we just launched AMZ Advisors and we've been running it for, I think, five and a half years now. So it's been a long time. So what does AMZ Advisors do? What is your business model? Who are your customers? How do you help those customers? Sure. So we, as an agency, work with brands and manufacturers and even individual sellers that are looking to increase their sales on the Amazon platform. And we will help them deal with pretty much the entire Amazon lifecycle. So we'll help them do their SEO, do their graphic design for their content, manage the advertising, create their marketing strategies, help them with recommendations for off-platform advertising to bring more traffic to Amazon. And we've done that for brands from you know Fortune 50 companies all the way to one-person businesses. So there's really a variety of different types of clients we've worked with, and it's really just what the client's goals are and to see whether it's a good fit for working with us. Excellent. So Mike, I'm curious, you mentioned that you were doing some consulting at Deloitte, then you were doing uh, real estate for Sears. I'm curious, talk to me a little bit more about your business partners. Who are they? What were they doing? Did any of you, it sounds like you didn't have retail experience, but you had this idea, what was kind of the genesis of all that? Yeah. So (laughs) it's interesting. The limited retail experience I had was obviously at Sears, but the experience I had was figuring out what Sears stores we were going to close and redevelop to make more money. So not the right side of retail to be looking at, but uh, myself, my two partners, none of us had the experience in it. One of my partners worked in recruiting as a uh, sales manager and another partner worked in project management consulting. So our backgrounds weren't really on the retail side. It was more just like we saw the opportunity. We wanted to give it a shot as being entrepreneurs. And this seemed like a pretty low risk way to do it. And in a way that we could start generate revenue on the side from our main jobs to be able to support ourselves. I mean, there was one thing that for me, at least one thing that really pushed me to the entrepreneurship side was working for a company like Sears, which was more or less going bankrupt at the time. This was you know 2015. So, you know, we had just spun off a $2 billion re, we were, you know, we were redeveloping stores, closing stores as fast as we could. And, you know, I just saw the writing on the wall. It's like, it seems like there's job security working for a company that large and making, you know, whatever salary it was. But the reality is you don't really have job security unless you're making your own decisions. So that's kind of why I went the entrepreneurial route instead. Love that. And it sounds like, you know, and and like you said, your company, you're very large, which at one point you would assume is a stable paycheck type of company. Uh, watching it go bankrupt as you're working there is a really good motivator to, you know, to forge your own path, right? So you had mentioned, you know, you were working for Sears at the time when you started. So I'm also curious, was the foray into entrepreneurship almost a side hustle for you and your partners? So were you working full-time and you got this launched and off the ground uh, simultaneously? Yeah, exactly. We started this all on the side because we were just looking at ways to, to make a little bit more money. I mean, the reality was we are all interested in real estate, even though I was the only one that had the background in it. And we were looking for ways to start earning more money and start buying more properties so that we could you know, have income on the side coming in from rents. So yeah, we were working our nine to five jobs. Sometimes it was longer depending on what we were doing. 
and get out of work six o'clock, seven o'clock, whatever it was, we'd all meet up and just start talking about how we were going to start selling more stuff on Amazon, whatever it was and start focusing on whatever the tasks were. So, I mean, we were working from seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock, 10 30, 11 o'clock at night, uh, just getting the side hustle going. So for us, we saw it as a really important way to just start making more money. We didn't necessarily see it in the beginning that we were going to turn into an agency and start running with it that way. It just kind of came out of it after we started learning more about the platform and just seeing where the opportunities were within the Amazon ecosystem. So excellent. walk us through how you came up with that first product. So you said you were buying clearance stuff from, I think you said Walmart. I mean, what led you to say, okay, I'm going to pick this particular product. How did you end up branding it? How did you like, just, just walk us through, like go back to that, that you're, you're you're just starting up your Amazon store. You just come up with this idea. What's the thought process for like selling that first item? Yeah. So yeah, like you mentioned, we, we were just going to stores. I think it's just a little funny thing I find. I think we hit every target in Walmart within the tri-state area, just buying everything on clearance to sell it. But yeah, it, it comes from just doing more research. And we, we learned that there were certain tools that could help us project what sales were on Amazon. One of those is Jungle Scout. There's a lot of other ones like Helium 10, Viral Launch. And they can all help you do some product research so you can learn more about what products are actually selling. We did a lot of research. The first product we looked at was actually an umbrella. And the, the sales numbers for umbrellas on Amazon are crazy. So we were like, we just saw the sales numbers. We were like, wow, this is doing millions of dollars a month. Like let's sell umbrellas. And that was, this is obviously the brand that didn't work out as well. We, we kind of just got, so we saw the numbers and like our, our we, we were like deer in the headlights. We were like, oh, we got to do this. Like we invested money into it. We came up with the name of our brand, which I still really love the name. We had an awesome logo. It was coast to coast. We were going to do like an outdoor sporting goods brand. Umbrellas were just like the first foray. I don't remember exactly how we came up with it, but a lot of brainstorming. And then, you know, got the logo from, I think, Fiverr or 99designs for 100 bucks, whatever it was. Sent it to China, got everything, got the logo put on everything, started selling it. And we realized that while the sales numbers are fantastic, we didn't really pay attention to what the margins were going to be. And the pricing points for, for umbrellas on Amazon are super competitive. So we were making, we thought, you know, we, we underestimated what we thought we would be making. So we ended up making maybe anywhere between a dollar and like 50 cents per sale. And then once we started doing advertising, we realized that we're really not making any money on this. So we kind of had to wind that, that brand down, but we didn't give up on the platform. We were like, all right, let's, let's do this again. We found a better opportunity for us. It was in the art, art supplies uh, space. We launched another brand called crown art, which we later sold uh, after doing a, a bunch of, after growing the sales for a few different product lines. And yeah, I mean, that was kind of our foray into how we started selling products on Amazon. I love this. And I, I'm drawing a big comparison. Jay, are you thinking the same thing? This story sounds like a lot of the real estate investors that we talk to, right? They want to get their feet wet. They're like, let's just figure this out. Let's go for it. And then they don't necessarily, you know, figure out the right thing the first time around. But the point is you learn so, so, so much by going through all those first steps and figuring out that manufacturing, that getting every Everything labeled and logoed and doing the advertising and all your ad spend. And that is what launches you into doing something that does become the right choice, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that's the way it works. You just kind of get into something and just 
you learn more, the more and more you're doing it. Like I had no idea about import and customs and all these things or, or freight shipping or, you know, order fulfillment. None of us did. And the first time you really learn is when you get a customs bill that you weren't expecting for some tariff that you didn't even know existed on colored pencils, for example. And yeah, I mean, it's a learning curve. You need to get in there and start doing it. And, and it depends also how much of a, an investment you want to put into the platform as well. I mean, if you really want to build a brand, you're talking about a lot more than just putting something on Amazon. You're talking about building an audience, building a community off of the platform, building a website off of the platform, looking at different sales channels to maximize your growth. That's one option that you can also just come up with a few products and start putting them on the platform. And, you know, maybe you'll make a couple thousand dollars per month per product. It's not going to be wild, but it really depends on what your goals are and what you want to put the amount of time and effort you want to put into it. So, yeah, I know a lot of people that sell on Amazon and that's kind of the nice thing is that you can decide on your scale. You can, you can build a brand. I mean, you can be the next, I don't know, Nike or whatever. Uh, If you want to find a product niche and build a brand, you can build one brand with one kind of product and become a million or 10 million or hundred million dollar company. Or you could just sell clearance stuff from Target and Walmart and sell 50 of this and 100 of that and 200 of that and and have a lot of different products, not necessarily under one brand. It's kind of like you you can it mix and match and you can kind of define your own your own path. So you've talked about a number of things here when it comes to actually doing this, though. There's the product selection. There's the actually getting inventory, whether you're going to buy the inventory yourself, whether you're going to get it from China. I know there's something called drop shipping where you can have somebody else basically hold the inventory. You never touch it and they send it right to the customer. Um, I know that we can talk about this as well. I know that Amazon can also hold your inventory in their warehouses and sell it. Um, And then there's the whole marketing and sales and building a community and the thing that a lot of us don't think about. We think if we just put it out on Amazon, um, if it's a good product, people just start buying it. But I think what, what a lot of us quickly realize is that you need the marketing, you need the sales, you need to build the uh, the, the brand awareness. So I'd like to talk about each of those separately in, in a little bit more detail. Let's start with the product selection. So you obviously learned that there are products that sell and products that don't sell, but not necessarily the highest volume products like umbrellas. You went on the, the site, you saw, wow, millions of umbrellas being sold, all these people doing it. And your first thought was, great, that's a great product to sell. Yep. But what you realized was the high, high, high volume stuff is also low margin. There's there's lots of competition. So it's basically people willing to take pennies in profit on each sale. I assume the opposite is true as well. If you go really low margin, that says there's no demand for something, you probably won't sell a lot. So it sounds like the right products are the ones in the middle there, they ha- they have good demand, but not a lot of, can you talk to us a little bit about like what we should be looking at when we're trying to decide on a product, how we should be evaluating whether a product might be something good to sell on the platform? Sure. And I, I think, again, this is a lot of this is going to be personal preference. So there are a lot of sellers that I know that have a specific, I guess I'll call it a rule set when they're approaching selling a product. So, you know, they'll sell a product, they'll try to get it to the point where one third of the sales is coming from advertising, two thirds of the sales is coming from organic. And if they hit that point and can't get above it, then, you know, they just stop on that product and then go on to new product lines. You know, that's the approach they take. But when it comes to the scale and the amount of sales, it could be all over the place. You could be doing 100 units a month. You could be doing 1,000 units a month. You know, there's, there's a wide variety that that rule set will apply to. So when you're doing your research, you really want to find a niche. And the, there's a couple of things that I always look at when I'm doing my niche research. One of them is just the reviews. 
So if you have competitor products that have thousands of reviews, it's going to be more difficult to compete with them within the Amazon ecosystem because they have so much social proof already built up. But, you know, you'll find people that come in onto the platform and start doing sales with a few reviews, you know, all right, great. Like maybe they had really good SEO. You don't know what they're doing outside of just that review space. They could be driving traffic from another website, Pinterest, social media, whatever it is. So that's another thing that you really need to consider. Like you don't know what else is going on in this space other than the numbers that you can just see. So for me, I would say a good rule of thumb is if your competitors have, if your top 10 products selling on page one have over, I would say 200 reviews, it's probably going to be more difficult in that space. The price point, you want to make sure that there's not a big difference in price points. So, you know, if someone is selling at $11 and everybody else is selling at $25, that's probably going to be a red flag because customers are probably going to start buying that lower priced item. And there's not really a way you can compete with that unless you're really going into the, the, the brand building and the brand awareness and you know off-platform strategies. That's a different story. But those are probably like two of the things I would look for the most. When it comes to the actual volume of sales, it's just a matter of what you feel comfortable with. You, you could be selling a, a heavy item that you know weighs 20 pounds or whatever, and those aren't as popular on the platform, but maybe that 20 pound item sells for $250 and they sell a hundred a month. So great. Like now you just made $25,000 in sales. Like that's fine. A hundred, a hundred units a month is more than enough to make the money you want. If you're doing the the product research and identifying the right products to sell properly. Awesome. So let's say that, you know, I decided I want to be an Amazon seller and I've worked with you and identified what that product might be. I've done all my research, done my homework, looked for other ways to market off of the platform and so on. How do I go about getting inventory? Do I buy it, fulfill it myself? Do I shop clearance racks to find it? Do we FBA? Do we do drop shipping? Just can you give us an overview of what my options would be and kind of the pros and cons of each of those options? Of course. Well, the first one that you that we started with and that you kind of mentioned there was what's called retail arbitrage or essentially going to stores and buying stuff on clearance and then reselling it online. That is probably the lowest hurdle to get through, but it's also very difficult at the same point at the same time because you got to make sure your price points on Amazon and what you're buying for gives you enough margin to actually make any money on it. Uh, for example, we started selling a lot of electronics goods that we were buying on discount at Target and Walmart. And I, I remember the first product we sold was actually an internet router. And we ended up making like 50 bucks on it between because we were just arbitraging the, the price in the store and the price of selling for online. So again, that's the lowest hurdle. It's more difficult now, although there are still a lot of people that do it and actually make a full-time living from doing that. I think there was an article in the New York Times a few years ago about digital retail arbitrage people or nomad, nomadic retail arbitrage people that were going around the country buying stuff from clearance and then selling it on Amazon. That's the first model. Another one that Jay mentioned was drop shipping. And that's not one that I'm particularly familiar with. I don't really use it and I don't really recommend it to my clients, but essentially with drop shipping, you are putting a product up for sale and then you are buying, once you get an order for that product, you're buying the product from the manufacturer, the supplier, the retail store, whatever it is, and then you're sending it to the end customer. That is a very difficult model on Amazon. It doesn't really work that well. If, unless you're going to get very, very niche and there's not a lot of, not a lot of other product options for a particular search term that may work, but you'll, you will see that sometimes in, uh, arbitrages between the U S and the Mexico marketplace, for example. So you'll see that something in the U S maybe costs, uh, let's say a hundred dollars to make it simple. 
something in Mexico might cost $250. So that same product might cost $250. So they will buy it in the US, ship it down to Mexico, deal with the shipping, the customs, everything else, and then make the uh, spread on it. That's common. That's another way to, to do the drop shipping within the Amazon platform. A third way would be to sell it on another platform like eBay and then have listed at one price, buy it from Amazon, have it filled directly from Amazon. Although Amazon has cracked down on that. It's a lot more difficult to do now. That is, those are two of the easier models, but they're the two that I don't really recommend. The way that we built our brands is really from importing from China. And for doing that, we, we started with the product research. We identified where we wanted to be, what niches we wanted to be in. And then we started reaching out on Alibaba to manufacturers in China that were manufacturing whatever the product was we were looking at. And we'd reach out to probably five or six. There's an entire script you can put together to try to sound more professional, even though it's your first time doing it. Uh, I'm sure they can probably see through it by now, but I don't, maybe it works. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's just a conversation. And it seems like such a crazy concept to be buying products from another country and bringing it into the U.S. to sell. But at the same time, it's just it's not that crazy because you're just not familiar with it yet. Like these companies in China are already used to working with Americans or foreigners that are buying the product, importing it. They can handle the entire process from, you know, putting the, the logo on the product, making sure the packaging is the way you want, applying UPC barcodes, whatever it is, whatever you need them to do, they can do it. So it actually, it, it sounds like a crazy concept, but it's pretty, pretty straightforward to buy the inventory from China. The biggest issue typically is dealing with uh, trusting the manufacturer that whatever you're paying for, you're actually going to get. Alibaba has escrow, so you can put money into an escrow account. And then once you actually have the product sent, the manufacturer can get the money from them, from the escrow. So, you know, there's ways to protect it. Obviously it's a big risk, but at the same time, you know, it, it's just the way the business is kind of done. So if you are going to go that route and start importing from Asia, you know, that's, that, that is the typical process to reach out to Alibaba. There's other platforms like Thompson, uh, where you can go and find manufacturers in the U S and you want, if you want, or Mexico, Canada, wherever it may be. But yeah, I mean, that's, it's just starting a conversation with them. They're probably going to figure out quickly that it's your first time, but at the same time, they're, they're a business. They're just looking to do business. So they're there to help you. They're there to make sure you're getting what you want and they want you to keep buying from them in the future. So it's not really that strange once you start doing it. It's just that first time getting over that hurdle. That That's a great overview. So basically retail arbitrage, drop shipping, or importing. I'm sure there are others, but those sound like kind of the three big ones. Obviously for two of them, retail arbitrage and importing, you have to have your own warehouse. You have to be able to store stuff yourself if you have, if you have inventory as opposed to drop shipping where you don't have to have the inventory. I do have a question about the retail arbitrage though. And I've always wondered about this. What are the legalities around going and buying a product? Like let's say I walked into a shoe store and I bought a pair of Nike shoes brand new. Can I just put that on Amazon and sell that myself or their trademark or licensing or certain other issues I need to be concerned about? As the actual person doing it, no, there's really not much you need to be aware of or afraid of. There are things that exist called reseller agreements and Nike will have reseller agreements with all this, all its distributors, uh, the stores, whoever it may be that's actually selling the Nike product saying that they can't, someone else can't resell the product, but the enforceability of it is nearly impossible and Amazon also won't enforce it. So if you are, for example, buying a pair of Nike shoes and then putting them up on Amazon, no one can really say anything to you. So the, 
the blowback is very limited. There's really not much that can happen at all. Very Got cool. It. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, so next step of the process, Mike. So we've identified the product. We've figured out how we're going to bring it in from wherever, whoever's manufacturing it in China or wherever. Talk to us more about how we make that product successful on Amazon. So you mentioned earlier, it's all about things like building communities and maybe having offline websites, maybe selling on other parts in addition to Amazon. And of course, I'm trying to position this. Um, you mentioned art supplies earlier. We have two little boys and they're always needing art supplies for school projects. And so there are a couple brands that I suspect were kind of grown on Amazon. And I think about the fact that, yes, when you click on their their ad or whatever, it does take you sometimes to a platform that's off Amazon. So I'm just, I'm thinking of all of these different parts of the ecosystem to be successful on Amazon. Can you walk us through like a big picture of what that all-encompassing solution looks Ooh. like? <laughs> yes, it's a very, very big picture. If we're going to start well, essentially what we're talking about is building a sales funnel for e-commerce or building a sales funnel specific for Amazon. And what it starts with is just by doing your SEO. So create, so doing your keyword research, identifying which keywords are the most relevant for your product, which have the most searches per month, and then working that those keywords into content on your your product listing page into the title, the bullet points, the product description that feature these main keywords. And you want to place the keywords in order of importance throughout the listing. So the most important one should be in the, the product title. The next most important one should be within the bullet points. After that, the product description, you can also put keywords in the back end of your listing. So you, you want to make sure that you're, you're using all the keywords that you see as the most relevant and you're putting them in the right places to optimize for the SEO side. That is how people are going to find your product organically. And just by doing that, depending on certain niches, you may be able to start driving sales uh, pretty easily. It, it just really depends how competitive the space is. Once you start there, the next aspect you need to focus on is the actual visual content you have on your listing. So you know, we are moving more and more to a mobile shopping uh, experience first for, for pretty much every shopper. And the first thing that you see when you go to the Amazon page on your phone is you see the product photos. So making sure that your content, photo content is echoing a lot of the copy that you have throughout your listing. So instead of, if you say a bullet point is, let's say this crayon works this crayon will never run out, for example, something crazy like that. Making sure that that is highlighted within one of your product photos. So when someone's just browsing, they're, they're checking the photos first. They see that bullet point. They're like, oh, all right, that's interesting. So like maybe they want to buy the product. When you have good visual content on your Amazon product page, that's what's going to lead to the best conversion rates when people actually come to the page. So I think everyone's probably been to some Amazon page where you see the photos are shot in someone's, you know, they have a crappy background. It's not even a white background. It looks like it was shot in someone's garage. The trust that the customer has when they see that, they're going to see it and be like, this isn't a real product or this isn't a reputable company or 
that right alone is going to pretty much preclude them from buying your product. So making sure you have the right visual content and just basic product photography is going to make you look way more professional. It's going to help you increase your conversion rates and it's going to create more trust from the consumer before you actually have the social proof in the form of reviews. Which brings me to the next step is getting your product reviews. Within the Amazon platform, there's two different tools you can use. One is called Early Reviewer Program. The other is the Amazon Vine Program. And those can help you get the initial reviews. When a shopper is on the Amazon platform, the reviews or the stars that show up right next to the product at the top are one of the first things they look at. So they want to make sure that other people have purchased the product. They enjoy it as well. If you have a bad review rating or a questionable one, they're probably going to actually go down to the reviews and read them and see what the problems are. Social proof is a huge part of the Amazon platform. And again, it's going to help you with the conversion rates. So you want to make sure that you have a quality product. You don't have product effects. You know, you actually are selling what you're describing in the listing. That's a big problem. If you're not, if you're selling something that doesn't have the features you're saying it does, you know, that's going to lead to negative reviews. So building that social proof is another way. And that whole three segments that we just talked about is what Amazon calls retail readiness. So what retail readiness means that once you have those three things optimized, you're ready for advertising. So within the Amazon platform, once you, your retail, your listing is retail ready, you want to start running advertising and you have a variety of different advertising tools you can use. But within that sales funnel, we're looking at the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel and the bottom of the funnel. And each ad type corresponds to a different part of that funnel. So when you are you know, first starting out, you want to build out the bottom of the funnel. So people that are actually already searching for a product, they intend to buy. So you build, a, you create those ads to build out the bottom of the funnel. So it shows up on whatever search terms they're looking for. Middle of the funnel is they're probably considering other competitors' products. You want to get them to your page so you can get them to consider that. That's another ad type. And then top of the funnel is obviously brand awareness. So how are you going to make people aware of your brand? And just within the Amazon space. That's another ad type that they have, but brand awareness isn't just limited to Amazon. You can also build brand awareness outside of the platform. So you can do that through social media. You can do that through Google ads on, on searches, whatever it may be. There's a lot of different ways to get people into that sales funnel. And that just, that's just specifically talking about Amazon. This entire concept can be expanded on how it fits within your entire business because when we think about Amazon, 69% of all online searches for products start on Amazon. So Amazon's actually a massive brand awareness tool. So if you can figure out a way to leverage Amazon to build brand awareness and then get these people to your own website, now you're controlling the whole sales funnel. You're building an audience outside of Amazon that you can use for retargeting, pushing new products in the future. So, I mean, the sales funnel that you need to build for whatever you're selling online is extremely important. And it's just a matter of scaling it over time as you start to grow your business. Wow. This is awesome. So it, it's funny. Um, I mean, we, we run several businesses and I've never sold on Amazon. And I always assume that it's, it's a real business. And I think too many of us just assume, okay, you can make a quick buck by going and, and you throw stuff on Amazon and hopefully people start buying it and you get rich and, and you walk away. Um, but obviously that's not the case. Um, and I think you just laid that out really well. I mean, you ne literally need to be an expert in so many different areas, or you have to find experts who can help you in so many different areas, building your sales funnel, great SEO and writing copy. I mean, that's, that's an art in and of itself. Um, visual experience, great pictures, great creating a great look and feel so that your, that your users or, or your potential customers think this company is reputable, the product looks good and entices them. Um, 
reviews. So I, I think we, I'd love to dig down on this a, a little bit more, uh, but reviews is a huge one. I mean, uh, from what I've heard, like that can be the make or break for a lot of uh, a lot of Amazon sellers. Um, and then the whole advertising piece. So basically, and advertising at different points, advertising to build the brand, advertising to, to get people to buy the product, advertising just to get people in your funnel. So it really is, there are a whole lot of things. I mean, I guess that's the nice thing here is that we always worry about, we want the easy way, but the easy way is never good because then everybody's doing it. And so this is one of those things that it's difficult. I'm sorry, it's not difficult. It's simple. It's not easy. It requires yeah. a lot of hard work. And if you're willing to put the work in, nothing here is rocket science. It's just hard work and, and consistency, right? Exactly. I mean, there are plenty of products that you can still sell where you'll throw them up and you know, maybe there's not enough competition yet. So you'll, you'll start selling that way. But the complexity that Amazon has has is just continued to grow over time as they, they roll out new advertising tools, new ad, new ad placements, new other marketing features, whatever it may be. But if you understand the concepts of building a sales funnel, you can easily, you can pretty easily figure out how all these pieces fit within that sales funnel and how you're going to leverage that to grow your your sales online or grow your audience outside of Amazon, whatever it may be. So yeah, like I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, it's simple enough to sell, but yeah, you do need to actually invest the time and the money into it to really get it going in the right direction. Awesome. So let me ask you a question because we mentioned um, we mentioned reviews, and I've always heard that reviews are so so important on Amazon. I mean, I've literally seen companies that have sent me stuff, and they've said, "Here's a little free extra gift if you leave us a review." I don't know if that's legal or not, but can you talk to us a little bit about how important good reviews are, or reviews in general, how we go about getting them if if we're a new business? And because I know that that ultimately, I'm not going to buy from a seller that has two reviews, yep. but everybody is going to start there. So how do we kind of bootstrap that, that whole review thing when we're starting out? Yeah. I mean, what you just said is a prime example of it. You're not going to buy from a seller that only has two reviews. And that's true for pretty much everyone that's buying online. They want to make sure that the product is real, that it, it, it works. You know, they can trust that they're spending their money on something that's good. And getting reviews is one of the things on Amazon that's gotten way harder over time. Initially, there were a lot of different ways you could do it. You could get what was called, and you can still get them technically, unverified review versus a verified review. So anyone could go on there and leave a review. You could you know, pay someone in, in the Philippines to leave a review for your product, whatever it was. Then Amazon cracked down on that. There were review exchanges. There were groups on Facebook. And I think there still are where you can uh, find other people that are looking for reviews for their products. And you, know, you buy each other's products, leave a review, whatever it may be then that's been cracked down on. So the best ways to do it right now is just do it by the book and do it by the way that Amazon's asking. I mean, you gave the example of a product insert saying you can get a free gift. That's technically against Amazon's terms of service. So as a seller, you can get uh, kicked off the platform for that. Getting those initial reviews is really through using those two programs I mentioned a little bit earlier. Early reviewer program, it costs about $60 and it'll get you your first five reviews. So Amazon will incentivize people that have purchased your product. Uh, to leave a review and you know, you're just paying the 60 bucks to get those reviews because they realize the value of it as well. Like they want as many products as possible to be selling on the platform. So helping you get those reviews is important to them. The the next one is the, the Vine program, which can get you up to 35 reviews. And I, I can't remember what the price of that is right now. For a while, it was free on Seller Central. I'm not sure if it still is. But that can get you beyond those those first 15 reviews to get to that that retail readiness state that Amazon wants. And I mean, in the short term, you might have to start advertising before you're in that retail readiness space, but just to get those reviews and get those sales and build 
build it up over time and your advertising performance might not do as well. You might not get as many sales because of that. But yeah, reviews are, are, are massive on the platform. And now uh, ratings are another thing that's considered within it. So if you didn't actually leave a product review, if you just rated a product, gave it you know four and a half stars, five stars, whatever, those will actually be calculated into the overall product score. So that score alone is typically enough to get to convince a consumer whether it's a buy a product or not. That's great. I, I, I love, thank you for that overview. Okay. I, I do want to talk about you and your company, how you built your company, but I do have one more question because this is another thing that I hear discussed all the time. Can we just sell on Amazon? Can I just create a brand and just sell on Amazon or do I need my own website? Do I need an eBay store? Do I need a physical brick and mortar? Obviously I don't need it, but do I yeah. want a physical brick and mortar location? Uh, what are the pros and cons of just being on Amazon versus having other sales channels? Do the margins change? What should we be thinking about there? The question you need to be asking yourself is what are you trying to achieve? So if you're just trying to make money on the side through a little side hustle, you don't need to go through all these steps. If you're trying to build an actual business to support yourself, then yeah, you need to take it a little bit more serious. And if you're trying to actually scale a business, then yeah, you need to look at beyond just one sales channel. So if we're jumping into that side hustle spot, you can just create a logo, throw it on a product, start selling it on Amazon. That's pretty much the most simple way to do it. You could get intellectual property if you wanted to, like copyright, and then get into brand registry. Being in brand registry gives you access to certain tools within the Amazon platform, like one of the ad types. You get demographic reporting, as well as some other comparable item reporting and a bunch of other reports that can help you see what your competitors are doing. But if your goal is just to make a little money on the side, then that's probably not going to be that important to you. If we get to that next space where we're talking about trying to support yourself full time from Amazon, then that's kind of, it's possible, but you need to have the right rules in place to do it. I mean, it's very easy to get carried away with your advertising, trying to grow your sales and actually eat away all your margin. Having that rule set that I talked about earlier, that someone I know that does, you know, 33% paid for sales, 66% organic. If they don't hit that mark, they scrap the product, move on to something else. So that's another approach to take. The goal there being that, what if I build 10 products that are making me $3,000 a month in profit? All right, now I have enough money to support myself, probably even hire someone or you know, support my family, whatever it may be. Then that next step is all right, I really want to build a brand. Uh, my goal is to eventually sell something, uh, you know, have an exit in some way, get bought up by a company like Thrasio, which has a billion dollar valuation from pretty much buying Amazon brands. That is a long-term play. It's not just looking at the Amazon platform. It's building your other sales channels, probably building your own website, figuring out how to actually increase the size of your audience. So you can, you can drive more sales through your list instead of having to you know, if they purchase through your website, your margins are a lot higher than buying through Amazon or eBay or whatever other the sales channel you may be using. So, you know, that's the end goal. How can I maximize revenue? How can I maximize brand awareness? How can I build the largest audience to sell to so that I can create revenue over time and create a higher value for my business? So that is looking at it across all sales channels. That is probably the most work. It's the, like I said, it's the longest time frame. But again, it depends on what you're looking for, whether you want to do that, whether you want to invest in it, whether you just want to make a little money or whether it's just a side hustle for you, like just throw it up there and 
just see what happens. I mean, those are different approaches you can take and it'll come down to what your goals are. So, so basically what you're telling us is the obvious. So selling on Amazon is a business just like any other business. You can do it uh, half-assed. You could do it <laughs> yeah. full, full-time and make a ton of money or anything in between, but you've got to understand inventory. You've got to understand manufacturing. You've got to understand selling. You've got to understand marketing. You have to understand how to create a P&L. You have to understand fulfillment and operations. Uh, you have to understand supply chains. You have to understand basically everything you have to understand about a business. You're just using another platform as your marketing and sales channel. Exactly. I mean, it's very tough to learn all of that. And that's why a lot of people outsource parts of their business. Like for us, they outsource to us, the, the Amazon sales channel, pretty much. They want us to drive the e-commerce sales for them. So you're never going to be able to learn everything as a business. It's obviously playing to whatever your strengths are. If you're good at the marketing side, focusing on that. If you're good at the product sourcing, focus on that. You'll figure it out once you get into the business. And once you start uh, just getting more comfortable with selling online, importing products, whatever it may be. And then once you know what your strengths are, just play to it. And you're probably going to end up being successful in the long term. Excellent. So on that note, there came a time, Mike, when you and your partners, you had become experts. You made a lot of money being really successful with your products on Amazon. That clearly led you to say, hey, we know what's going on and we want to share the knowledge with other people. So can you talk to us more about how that whole transition happened? How did you transition your business to go from selling on Amazon to additionally consulting other people on how to make that happen? Well, I think it kind of goes back to something I said earlier, and it's that we wanted to have control of our own our own destiny, I guess I would say. So we want to have our own business, be our own bosses, not have to answer to other people. And the reality is when we were selling the brand, we actually had a fourth partner as well. And it's tough to support four people through selling a product online. I mean, it, it's doable, but you need to achieve a certain amount of scale to really make it worthwhile your time. We, like I literally just said, play to your strengths. Our strength was the advertising and the marketing and the SEO side on Amazon. And we knew those were our strengths because every product we put up started selling right away. The advertising performed great. You know, we just knew what we were doing in that space. Where we weren't as great was the product sourcing. We had issues with delays with manufacturers. We didn't know where to find, you know, what tariffs or restrictions there are on importing products. So we, we lost product time there. We didn't pick the most reliable manufacturers sometimes. So we also lost, you know, product lead times or, you know, whatever it may be. It's just what our strength wasn't. So once we looked at it more, we were like, okay, well, we know we're good at this. We know there's a lot of people on Amazon that aren't good at this. So let's start this agency. The first, I remember driving out to Long Island. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm from Connecticut to meet with someone who's going to be our first client going into this massive warehouse. And this was, you know, the first time I'd ever been in a warehouse like this and there's products everywhere and it all looks like chaos. And I'm like, holy crap, like, how are we going to sell all this stuff online? But once we started it, we realized that these are actually big problems for people. They don't know how to sell the products themselves. So for us, we were like, all right, there's a huge opportunity here. And then it, it, it just evolved from there. We started finding uh, freelance opportunities on Upwork. And then from there, we started building out our website, started trying to drive traffic to our website through SEO, uh, which is something I still do a lot of, a lot of content marketing on the video side and the blog side. So, you know, it was just building the business out from there. We got more and more interest from people from the US, Canada, Europe, wherever it may be that were looking for these services and wanted to start growing their sales online. And I mean, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. 
Awesome. So I'm loving this. So you were able to start you realized what your strengths were. You realized other people were selling on Amazon, but they weren't able to sell on Amazon to the extent it, to which you and your partners had been able to. So talk to us more just about, I want to know more about the growth process. I want to know more about working with those partners. Like, did your dynamics change with your partners when you were selling on Amazon versus this other whole genesis of your business? How you selected just all about the partnership aspect of it and how that played into your growth. Yeah. So I think it's, it's so interesting. Obviously I think in any business, again, you play to your strengths. Like when you have different business partners, you each want to be able, you want to have business partners that complement you or complement your weaknesses. So we have one of my business partners, Steve, he, he handles the business development side and the, the account, uh, the relationship management side, you know, he was a sales manager before this. So it was only a natural evolution for him to kind of move into that role within the business. My other partner was doing project management and now he's kind of handling our operations and our project side for a lot of our clients. I am kind of uh, the outlier in that. Uh, I was doing real estate development. I, for us, I do finance, I do marketing, I do some tech stuff for us. So like I kind of move around a lot, uh, have wear a lot of different hats, but it's something I enjoy as well. Like I really enjoy having different types of projects, keep myself interested with different things all the time. So, um, as a partnership, it it was just kind of a natural transition. And again, this goes back to find playing to your strengths, finding what you're good at. And yeah, we just, we did all of that for our business and that helped us really grow over time instead of having three people trying to fight over sales and four three people trying to deal with, uh, the, the account, you know, being in contact with the accounts in the beginning, we realized that that wasn't going to work because we would have one email. The client would email the email and then no one would know who to how to respond. So either two people would respond, no one would respond, the email would get lost. Yeah, there was just a lot of things that didn't work around that. And then we realized that, all right, like as we grow, we really need to just specialize, break things out and then handle things that are you know, our responsibility. Love it. Love it. So where are your partners now? And side note, listeners, in case uh, you didn't catch this in the beginning, Mike is recording from his office in Guadalajara, Mexico. So would love to know how your expansion led you to open an office there and whether your partners are all there with you now or just what that whole part of your growth story looks like. Yeah. So (laughs) that's interesting. When we were starting a business, we got to the point where we had I wouldn't say a significant amount of revenue, but we had revenue. We had money to support ourselves. It wasn't a lot, but we made, we got to that point where we were like, all right, let's just go all in on this. So we quit our jobs. Uh, you know, we burned the ships. We weren't looking back. We didn't want to go back to the corporate world. That was like the most important thing, but we also weren't sure how far we would be able to take this business. So at that point we all moved down to Mexico to Playa del Carmen, Mexico to live at the beach. And from there we kept growing the business after about three or four months you know, the business was in a much better spot than where we were because now we were full-time. We had a lot more time to focus on things. We were pushing a lot harder to get things done. And, you know, the business grew a lot faster because of that. At that point, I was kind of tired of being in Playa del Carmen. I wanted to go somewhere else. I came to Guadalajara, which is actually where I met my girlfriend. And then I've been here in Guadalajara for three years. And then as the business continued to grow, we realized that we needed to build a team. And just being here in Mexico gave us a huge opportunity to build a team at a much lower cost than we would be paying in the U.S. to build a team. So from there, we, we've had an office here about two, two and a half years almost. But we had, like I, I said earlier, I think we have uh, 14 people in Mexico. 
But we also have people remotely in the U.S. We have four people remotely. We have one in Europe who's remote and one in China who's remote. So that's just the way the business has grown. Mexico is kind of the launching pad. Right now, my two other partners are in Mexico. One is in Mexico City. One is in Playa del Carmen still. But they do spend a lot of time in the U.S. and Connecticut, where we're all from as well. So, so Mike... Seriously, talk about living the dream. You and your partners just decided you're going to expand globally in in some regard, and you just picked up and full-on moved to the beach in Mexico. Like, how amazing is that? Was that scary? Was it just like, no, it's clearly the right thing to do? How did that thought process come about? And have you ever have you ever looked back and said, no, this wasn't the most amazing, perfect decision ever? It's it's funny. So I think the way it originally came about is that we were all in corporate jobs that we hated in Connecticut. And the the problem was that every winter it would get fruit miserably cold and like we ski and that's it. That's about it. But if you live in Connecticut, apart from going to Vermont, which is three hours away to go skiing, there's not much else to do. And we were finding out about these people that were working remotely online from all over the world, traveling around. And we were like, wow, that sounds amazing. So that was kind of the the, the original idea that we had to go down the entrepreneurship route was to allow us to travel, to see the world, just experience new things. The agency has allowed us to do that after uh, I spent time in, after we all spent time in uh, Playa del Carmen, we all did a little traveling. Uh, I went to Europe for about seven months, traveled over there. Uh, I've traveled throughout Central America. My two other business partners have traveled in Europe and South America as well. So we kind of got to go around just having uh, something that was more enjoyable, something that we really wanted within our lives. And I think that was just the the, the, mo- the very important thing for us. So That's awesome. So before we jump into the four more segment, I want to hear what's next for your company, but I also want to give you and our listeners an opportunity to get some number motivation, as I like to call it, throw out some numbers for your business. How many, uh, how many uh, companies, uh, whatever you want to tell us, how many companies you're working with or how much, uh, how many, how much uh, in total volume you, you manage every year. Just give us an idea of the scale of your company and, and what you're doing these days and where you're headed. Sure. So right now we have about 50 clients in our typical clients doing between $1 million and $10 million a year on Amazon. So, I mean, I think that gives you a, a pretty good perspective of the opportunity there is to build a business with an Amazon actually achieve a lot of sales that there's 50. And that's just my agency. There's a lot of other agencies out there that are doing the same. And I, I forgot the exact numbers, but I think it's 200,000 sellers do over $100,000 a year on Amazon. So there's a huge opportunity for for someone looking to start a business in that space. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you guys have something like a hundred million in total in total volume per year that you guys manage with your clients. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's what our clients do on the platform. We we manage about ten million dollars a year in ad spend for our clients. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of success for companies to, to achieve out there, and it doesn't matter if you're not Nike or you know you don't have this huge brand name. You can build a disruptor brand and execute it on it very well, and start taking sales from a lot of other well-known brands that are out there. That's awesome. I absolutely love it. So, what's next for you guys? What uh, are you just going to keep scaling and growing, or any or anything uh, anything new on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, we're going to continue focused on growing right now. Right now, we're rolling out another educational product, uh, a course, so we can actually increase the amount of people that we can teach about selling on Amazon. Us, we only have so much time ourselves to do consulting, but through a course, we can help a lot more people understand how the platform works. Apart from that, we're probably going to be looking at adding services within other spaces in e-commerce. We're, we're currently working with some clients on the Walmart side. 
and also helping some people build their Shopify stores and driving traffic there. So we're going to continue to focus on the e-commerce space. I don't think e-commerce is going anywhere. Uh, if anything, COVID has just accelerated it. So I think there's a huge opportunity for us here. Awesome. Wow. I guess uh, at some point we're going to have to have you come back and talk to us all about Shopify because that's a whole other segment of, of e-commerce that, that's really interesting as well. But for now, I think we are at about 50 to 55 minutes in. So I think it's time we get to that segment of the show we call Four More. And that is where we ask you the same four questions we ask all of our guests. And then the more part where we give you an opportunity to tell our listeners more about where they can get in touch with you, where they can find out more about you and your company and anything else you want to discuss. Sound good? Of course. Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. Okay. Well, I will start with the first question. What was your very first or your very worst, I'll let you decide, job? And what lessons did you take from it that you're still using today? Wow. I think my... That's such a hard one. Uh, I think my worst job was actually working in consulting at Deloitte. The big, it, it sounds great on paper. It looks great on a resume, but the reality is you have no time. <laughs> You're just constantly working. And it, the biggest thing it made me realize is that I value my time a lot more than the companies I work for. So it's important to find that balance or that work-life balance in my life. So. That's awesome. And that is so true. On paper, it looks phenomenal and you are living the life and living the dream and it's all glitz and glam, but you're like, no, let me own my time and do something that's more meaningful to me. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Question number two, Mike, what is one piece of advice that you have for small business owners or new entrepreneurs that you haven't shared yet today? Well, I think I've touched on it a little bit, but obviously if you're a small business owner and you have anything in the retail space, you really need to start investing it online or not even in retail space in general, you need to start investing online. Whether you're running a business to business service, you need to start investing in your SEO and your content marketing and just getting your name out there more. If you're running you know, a retail product, a physical product business, you need to start selling more and more products online. I mean, there are an incredible amount of businesses that have gone bankrupt because of COVID because they didn't have that online presence. Now no one can go to their stores and they're out of money. They have inventory just sitting there. They can't turn the, the inventory over into cash to pay their expenses. So take e-commerce more seriously. It's going to be a huge route for your business to grow over time. And it's extremely important to invest in right now. Awesome. It's amazing how many people haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Okay. Question number three. This is the question where I would normally ask you your favorite book, but I'm going to go a little bit different here because we're talking about a very specific subject. So give us some of your favorite resources for anybody out there that's that's listening to this thinking, okay, I, I want to get into to Amazon sales. Um, and besides calling Mike Begg and saying, hey, I, I want to hire you guys, or besides your course, what are some other resources, either books or websites or whatever, um, that that somebody that wants to start out in this business could go to right now to, to get more educated? For sure. Well, I mean, we put a ton of content out on our blog, but we actually learned from a, a lot of other websites that were already out there in Facebook groups. Um, there are a lot of communities on Facebook where you can learn from a lot of other sellers. We particularly learned from the amazing seller. Uh, his name is Scott Volker. He runs a, he runs a podcast and has a, uh, a Facebook group. His, he's been putting out podcasts, I don't know, since 2014, maybe. So some of the older stuff uh, is probably outdated by now, but I'm sure there's a lot of new content he's putting out there. Another great one is Jungle Scout. Uh, Greg Mercer is the, the CEO, I think, uh, is his title of Jungle Scout. And... We, he's one of the people I was talking about that we saw traveling, working remotely. I remember watching some of his original podcasts. I think he was filming from, 
I don't know, it looked like a dungeon in Bali or something, but I mean, he was living in Bali, making money online and we learned a lot from him as well. So Jungle Scout has a lot of good resources as well. Awesome. Excellent. And your blog is, uh, but we'll, we'll get there later, but I also want to do it now since you mentioned it, AMZ Advisors. What's the, uh, what's the link for the, your blog that has info? Yeah. info AMZAdvisors.com uh, backslash blog. Pretty straightforward. So it's easy to find. Awesome. Okay. So my fourth question, Mike, on this show, we've talked a lot about material stuff, like all the great things you can buy at Amazon, as well as awesome experiences, right? You're in Mexico, you travel, you talk about all your travel around the world and so on. So my fourth question just plays right into your life experience. So what's something along the way in your personal life or your work life or whatever that you've totally splurged on and it was entirely worth it? Oh, geez. That's, that's a very tough one. Luckily, this is something that I, I, I recently splurged on and the timing was almost perfect. Right before we went into all these locks, lockdowns and shutdowns, uh, my girlfriend and I just went on a, a two-week vacation uh, to Spain, France, and Portugal. It was literally the end of February. Uh, we got back at the beginning of March and then after that, everything went into lockdown. So the timing was incredible uh, because... I don't think I would have made it through however many months of lockdown it's been now if I didn't have some type of travel or experience that I got to enjoy before. Seriously, that is impeccable timing and what we a great so adventure lucky. to uh, kick off this whole crazy year. So thank goodness for that. Okay, so that was the four part of the four more. Now for the more part of the four more, can you give our listeners some more uh, information about where they can find out more about you, your company, where they can connect with you or anything else you want to tell us? Yeah, of course. So if anyone's looking to get started on the Amazon platform or is already on Amazon and starting and looking to start increasing their sales, obviously come to our website. It's aimsadvisors.com. Right now, we're in the process of launching the course. If you sign up on our website, we're offering a uh, pre-sign-up discount on anyone that actually buys the course. Uh, we have a ton of great content on our blog. Or if you want to contact us directly, go through the contact page or just email me directly at mike at amzadvisors.com. So that's the best way to get in touch with us. Awesome. Mike, this was fantastic. Um, thrilled to have had you on. I mean, I know our listeners are going to love this episode. So much actionable information. Congrats to uh, to you for the, uh, the building of the company, being able to work from Mexico. Um, and I look forward to having you back in a year or two and seeing what's up. I'm glad to be back, Jay. Carol, thank you so much for having me. It's been great talking to you. And you know, I really hope your audience enjoyed it as well. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. See you soon. Thanks. Have a good day. Wow. Seriously, Jay, I absolutely love guests like Mike who really give us an almost behind the scenes insight into how businesses work, right? So there's these things we all take for granted, these Amazon products with different brand names and stuff on them. And you just kind of forget, you take for granted the fact that it was a group of people who decided, huh, there is like a, a market need here and I'm going to grow out this business on Amazon and just make it work. And I love that he was so open in sharing so many steps in how to make that happen. And then, of course, absolutely loved his story at the end about how he and his partners were able to take that expertise to help so many other people so that they're now able to be living their dream in Mexico, traveling the world and growing their business, helping lots and lots of other people.
Absolutely. And and you mentioned a group of people behind every brand. Well, the cool thing is sometimes it's not even a group of people. It's just one person. And that's the nice thing about online commerce. There's nothing stopping any of us from building a business as big as we possibly want if we're willing to put in the time and the energy and the work. So love this episode. Love the basically step-by-step to get us started in the Amazon selling world and love his story for, for his company as well. Anyway, I think we are good this week. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have an amazing rest of your week. And we will be back next week with the next episode of the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. She's Carol. I'm Jay. Now go get some experts to grow your business so you can run it from the beach today. Yeah, baby. Bring on the steel drums and the margaritas, palm trees, and sunshine. Everybody have a wonderful week. We're grateful for you. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.